Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Hey, tonight we're blessed to have Pastor Brian Briggs from Destination Church with us in the Tri-Cities. Pastor Brian, um, our lives intersected probably about 2009 or so, 2009, 2010. And uh, Pastor Brian planted Destination Church at South Park Mall in Colonial Heights in 2011. I got that right. 2011, me and Anna were there the very first day, I remember. And um, he's a church planter. He's a man of God. He's an encourager. Uh, he was the first pastor, actually, to hire me on. Uh, he was the first pastor to give me a job. Come <laughs> on, somebody. And uh, so he's currently on our board of overseers here at Oasis Church. So to this day, he's, he's one of my pastors. He's, he's one of the faith builders in my life. You know, you have to have different voices in your life in different seasons and that speak different things. And I, I'm convinced everybody needs a few faith builders in your life. You need a few numbers you can call when you're just downcast and you just need you just need a dose of faith. You just need encouragement. You just need to believe God for greater things. And Pastor Brian has been that in in my life personally, in the life of our church, um, for, for several, several years now. And so I'm so honored to have him. Brian, thanks so much for being here. Uh, he brought his parents as well with him. Um, so glad you guys are here. I've also been in the ministry for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> just just the legacy of the faith, the ministry. We honor you guys tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And, uh, and Pastor Brian, we're ready to receive the word. So can you come? Church, can we honor Pastor Brian as he comes and brings the word this evening? Come on, can y'all show some love to your pastors? Come on, make some noise for your, I love your pastors. And uh, they're absolutely some of my favorite people, and, and uh, you absolutely have some of the most gifted pastors that I know, uh, and uh, just have a heart for the Lord and heart for the church, and uh, how many just thankful to be in church? Come on, somebody, and on, on a Tuesday night, and uh, just so proud of Oasis, so proud of what the Holy Spirit is doing, and, and man, that's my prayer, Pastor, and I just hope tonight I can bring a little bit of faith to the room uh, and encouragement. How many believe that he is a healer tonight, um, and we're trusting and believing that tonight, uh, whatever needs you have, whatever need that I believe that maybe you're trusting the Lord to, to bring a healing, that he can absolutely uh, bring it. Um, but tonight we got to get our hearts right and our minds right and line up uh, really who we are with God. And uh, I've got something to show you tonight. This is kind of a, a cool story, kind of a fun story I love to share. Well, we moved uh, houses. I lived in the Chester area for about nine years in suburbia, uh, neighbors everywhere, loved the place. Kind of my kids kind of grew up there. Uh, but God kind of put in my heart to get out in the country. I don't know, some Sometimes you just need a little country, somebody. Uh, and so I, I just had this desire to get out uh, in the country, a little space, a little land. And so uh, the Lord provided that and opened up a door for us. And so we moved uh, back in uh, the summertime. And uh, how many know if you've been in a place for a while, you forgot stuff that you had that was in places, you know what I'm saying? And, and so we move everything. And most stuff that I didn't know where it went, went in the garage. Uh, and then we had this attic that, that finally got finished and we were gonna put all this stuff in the attic. And so I'm moving all these boxes into the attic. Uh, and when I was a kid, I've got four kids. My oldest is 22. I've got three girls. But my youngest uh, 
uh, is a boy. He's 10 years old. Uh, and I forgot when I was his age uh, that I did this thing. You know, kids now collect Pokemon cards. I remember when I was a kid, we collected real cards, like sports cards, baseball, football, basketball. Uh, and uh, I just kept them all, you guys. I have got, uh, this is like a box of like, you can kind of see how many cards are like in this box. Um, I've literally got probably like 20 boxes just like this that is just full of cards. Now, I already pulled out all the good ones. You know what I'm saying? Like I pulled out, they're mainly cowboy players because I'm a cowboy fan, my man right here. Like, I, and so like back in the day, I got the Emmett Smiths and the Troy Aitmans and anything that I thought was worth value, you know, you don't keep in a box like this. Matter of fact, in, in, in sports world, if you know anything about cards, you know what they call cards that, that, that you just put in a box? They actually have a name for these kind of cards. You know what they call these kind of cards? They call them common cards. Have you ever heard that? Just common cards, a bunch of no-name people that have a card. Can I show you one common card? Like, like I just want to see if it does anybody, and this, and this is even a rookie card. If you know anything about sports, the rookie card is what's worth more than anything. Let me introduce you to a guy I promise you no one in this room has ever heard of before. His name is Peter Tom Willis. Come on, has anybody ever heard of Peter Tom Willis? This is his rookie card, uh, and uh, he actually played, you can see it's like his Florida State uh, uniform. Uh, Nate, on the back, Pastor Nate, on the back of this card, they couldn't find anybody to say anything good about Peter Tom Willis except Coach Bowden, who used to be his coach. And literally, I'm not making this up, on the back it says, this is from his coach, with a couple of breaks, he could have been our number one quarterback. Come on, how many don't want... He could have been. He could have been. And, uh, and so I think the only person who knows who Peter Tom Willis is is Peter Tom Willis's mama. Come on, somebody. Like, that is the only person who would probably pay money for this card, right? Uh, they say that a common card is worth about three to four cents, but let's be honest, I don't know anybody who would pay three to four cents uh, for the Peter Tom Willis rookie card. Now, as I was kind of doing this, my son said, Dad, like, could we go through some of these boxes? Now, this was late at night, and I said, Son, like, I don't think we have time. Dad, please, can we just go through one box? So um, I said, Son, we will go through one box. That's it. I'm going to hand hand you a stack. I'll take a stack. I promise you, like, we'll look at them, but maybe later we'll go through this. Now, now y'all about to find out how anointed of God my 10 years old son is. Y'all ready for this? We picked one box out of the 20. I thought I had found every good card that was in this. So I had stacked to my, my son. I'm going through a stack, and you guys aren't going to believe what card I found from 23 years ago, from the year 2000. Somebody's rookie card, his name is Tom too, but a completely different Tom. I'm talking about Tom Brady's rookie card. Come on, somebody. I found Tom Brady's rookie card in his Michigan. Anybody want this? You, you can't have it. I looked it up. I, I immediately looked it up on eBay, and it sold like this exact same card, like sold last week for $4,000, this right here. And this was sitting in my box. And I said, son, you're not going to believe this. You just helped me find a $4,000 card. My son looked at me and said, dad, we are rich. We are so rich. 
I said, son, calm down. We're not that rich. $4,000, uh, uh, but how many know $4,000 are way better than four cents? And, and uh, you can imagine what I did with that card. I, I took it out. It didn't belong in the box with Peter Tom Willis anymore. How many know Tom Brady deserves his own case, right? And uh, y'all pray for me. me I, we just found out me and this guy right here are going to actually watch him play Monday night. I'm going down to the game, but I'm a Cowboy fan. I hope he loses. hope it's the last game he ever plays, but... Uh, I got to admit, though, I'm a little bit of a Tom Brady fan because uh, uh, as a 40-year-old, it's always fun watching 40-year-olds beat 20-year-olds. I'm just going to be honest. And so, but, but let me just say this about Tom Brady. Nobody saw Tom Brady coming uh, when this rookie card came out. It's probably why it ended up in the box. Uh, he was a six-round draft pick, 199th overall, uh, which means my team, the Cowboys, uh, passed on him not once, not twice, not three times, but they passed on the greatest winning quarterback of all time six times. And before you judge my team, your team did the same thing exactly six times, six times. And I'm not sure how many people believed in Tom Brady uh, when he came out. You say, well, the Patriots did. Well, again, they drafted five people ahead of him. Uh, And uh, and maybe he would have ended up just like Peter Tom Willis is just another common guy. Uh, But I think there was something on the inside of Tom Brady that said, I'm not common. Uh, There's something special about me. And even though this team drafted me, I've got to put in the work to go to this place. And, and really it made me think of this is that I wonder how many people in this room that you just think you're a Peter Tom Willis in a common card box with thousands of other common cards. And, and I wonder how many people in this room uh, think maybe because someone overlooked you, neglected you, maybe of your age, maybe you think you're too old, too young, too this or too that, been through too much, not overcome enough, and you just think you're just one of a million, but you don't look at that as a good thing. You look at that as just kind of a, a, of a bad thing, and you just think that you're common. Here's what I know about that is that you will start to believe things that you think about yourself. You know, we're talking about healing tonight, but the truth is many of us, we think God's not common, but, but we think we are common. You know, the title of my message is really simple, simple tonight. I want to talk about an uncommon people. Did you know that you're an uncommon people tonight? Did you know that Oasis Church is an uncommon church? Uh, you got to believe this, that you're not just like everybody else. You're not just uh, like anybody else. There is an uncommon calling on your life. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But it says, but you, everybody say me. Come on, say it. You got to talk back to me. Say me. I, but you are a what? You are a chosen people. You are a what? You are a royal priesthood. This church, what is Oasis Church? You are a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might what? That you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. He called you out of the sixth round. He called you out of your brokenness. He called you out of whatever place you came from and put you in a place not only to do great things in your life, but do great things through your life that you may be a light in a dark world that gives praise to your Father in heaven. Come on, how many know you are not common? Come on, tell your neighbor you're an uncommon person. Come on, you're an uncommon person. I hope you know this about your pastors. Your pastors are uncommon pastors. Listen, I think the moment you start treating uncommon people like they're common, I think that you'll actually miss out on the uncommon things that God wants to do. You know, I don't think that God has uncommon vision for this church, uncommon miracles for this church. But here's what I know. When you know who you are, you start to believe for for what God's called you to believe for. 
You see, when you start to see yourself as, hey, we're an uncommon people of God, then you can start to believe for uncommon miracles, uncommon signs and wonders. How many of you want to believe and see that in this place? Your father in heaven is not like everybody else's father. He is a healer, a provider, a restorer. He turns impossible things around. He takes the evil things and makes them your good. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Even though you walk through dark valleys, your father walks right there with you. How many know your God does the impossible? But you got to understand, not only is that who your God is, that's who he thinks you are as well. Your uncommon God called you to do uncommon things. But you know, here's what I know. We got to keep on keeping on. Somebody say keep on. You know, look at Matthew 7, verse 8. This is why we're doing this on Sunday, Monday night, and Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. It's why we're going to do this again on Sunday. Uh, look what Jesus said. Jesus said, keep on what? Keep on asking. I, I wonder what you have asked God for that you have stopped asking God for. You know, what is it that, that maybe one time you believed for, but maybe because God didn't answer it right away, uh, that you stopped asking for what God wants you to ask for. Keep on asking, and you will receive. Keep on what, church? What is this week? Keep on seeking. How many know we don't seek the Lord one time? We seek him over and over and over. And you will find, keep on what? Keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You know, tonight I am believing God on your behalf that God wants to do miracles in you and through you in this place. But here's what I know about healings and miracles. It's great when God does a healing. Uh, but what I've noticed is this. Even when God does a healing in my past, I'm going to need them in my present, and I'm going to need them in my future, right? Uh, just because God did something yesterday doesn't mean I don't need something from God today. And so we're going to believe God for healing tonight, but I want to kind of do something different uh, because I believe God wants to bring a miracle, but I, want God, I believe God wants to keep on putting you in a place uh, where I, I believe that not only he wants to bring a miracle, but help you realize you're going to need one. See, everybody wants a miracle, but not everybody wants to need one. Everybody wants a healing, healing story, but nobody wants to be put in a place where you need healing. Everybody wants the resurrection. Not everybody wants the cross. Come on. Like, we, we got to understand many times the purpose of the healing is not that we get healed. It's the process that we go through to get to a place that, you know what, maybe the healing will happen. But you know what happens? God wants to teach us something through the process. Let me say it like this. Here's my main thought tonight is that uncommon people do consistently what others do occasionally. Let me say that one more time. Uncommon people, which that is who you are. You do consistently what other people do occasionally. How many know anybody can seek God one time? Anybody can give to God one time? Anybody can do something big one time? You know, my prayer is tonight is that God is looking for consistency and faithfulness. We even sang it tonight, God, you are faithful. How many know that we are called to be like God in every way? Just like he is faithful, we are called to be faithful. Let me say this, we want God to do big things. Come on, how many of you want the Lord to do something big in your life? Listen, we want God to do big things, but sometimes you and I are not willing to do little things that God asks us to do. You know, I heard a pastor say this. I love this. When, when we start treating little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. 
I wonder what the consistent, faithful little things that God is asking you to do, trying to teach you to be faithful, to keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on praying, keep on serving, keep on giving, keep on keeping on creating room for God to show up and do something in your life. I want God to do more. It's kind of a theme of my life this year. I am praying for God to do more. How many want God to do more? I believe God wants to do more, but sometimes God is waiting on us to be faithful with what he's given us, and when we're faithful with little, he'll give us more. You know, Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is what? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? There is nobody more consistent and faithful than Jesus Christ. How many have been serving the Lord for a while, and you, you can prove this, that God was the same in your life yesterday, he is the same today. You know what that means? You can trust God. You can trust God. I think that's what God is looking for in his followers is that we would not be so much about the big things, but just doing the little things right every single day and making our heart and our, our life be, look more and more like Jesus, that, that we show up yesterday and we show up today and we show up tomorrow. And you know what? It's not about being perfect, but it is about just saying this, that God, I'm going to be faithful. And listen, here's another thing about God. God never changes, but how many know we change all the time? God is always faithful. Many times we're not, but here's the thing. If we will keep reaching out to a God who never changes, he will never stop changing us. And I believe that's what God wants to do in this place tonight. You know, I think this all the time. Consistency is greater than intensity every day. And what I mean by that is this, is that God is looking for people who are consistent, not always intense. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, you can go to the gym one day a week, one day a month for eight hours. You know, you could go all day for one day. But you know what? It'd be better for you to go three days a week for 30 minutes. Because consistency over time is always better than intensity in one day. You know, anybody can write a big check one time. Anybody can serve on a Sunday all day one time. I think what the Lord is looking for is what can you do consistently that will create space for the Lord to move? I know as a church, you guys have been in the book of Acts. I want to look there in Acts chapter 2, going very down to the last few verses of chapter 2. And I love this. One of my favorite descriptions of the early church. I think this should be our goal as believers. It says in verse 42, all the believers, what did they do? They devoted themselves. What is devotion about? It's about consistency. It's about spiritual disciplines. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, through communion, and to prayer. Now look what happened when they were consistent. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You know, we want the signs and wonders. But I, you know what I think is a huge sign of a sign and wonder? When we're faithful with the little things. It, it was when the people of God devoted themselves to spiritual disciplines. It was when the people of God devoted themselves to the things of God that God did big things in their life. It says all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, shared money with those in need. They worshiped together. How often? Almost every single day. These people were, were day after day seeking, knocking, met in homes. Uh, they shared meals with generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And look what God did. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, that word fellowship, I'll hit it in a little bit later tonight, but, but here's the thing, that's a covenant thing. Here's what I know, when we do our part, God shows up and does his part. 
God, we can't heal, we can't save, we can't move mountains, we can't open up uh, 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 oceans, but I can tell you, when we step out in faith and we are committed to what God's called us to do, God has no business but to do his business, which is when he sees us being faithful, it just moves the heart of God. When he sees a group of people showing up on a Monday and a Tuesday, as I was worshiping down here, I just really felt it like what you said, that God, you are gonna reward these people for seeking after you. Come on, how many are you ready to receive every reward that God has? The early church was just different. They were uncommon. And I think as a church and as Oasis Church, we got to get back to that. Listen, Oasis, do small things well and watch God do big things well. I believe as we're just faithful after the Lord. And so let me just kind of give some application of this. Uncommon people have what I call uncommon spiritual disciplines. I just want to ask you a question. This will tie right back into healing in just a second and because I really do believe God wants to show up and do some healings today. But there is a connection, I believe, uh, with spiritual disciplines and healing. And I'll, I'll kind of paint the picture for that here in just a second. But here's what spiritual di- disciplines do. Let me put this, I think it's on the screen. Spiritual disciplines create margin in your life. Let me say that again. Spiritual disciplines create margin in your life. And, and you said, here's kind of my question for you tonight. How do I know what spiritual disciplines I need? It's this wherever the lack of margin is in your life. Where does God want to bring a healing? Where there's a lack of margin in your life. How do I know where there's a lack of margin? Get this in your spirit. This will be up there too. Wherever there is a lack of margin, there is the presence of pain. Let me say that one more time. Wherever there is a lack of margin, there is the presence of pain. So here's the real question tonight. Where in your life are you experiencing pain? And more importantly, where are you experiencing consistent pain? Same pain, day after day after day. Because I know this, wherever there's consistent pain in your life, it probably points back to an area where there's a consistent lack of margin or space where there should be a spiritual discipline that opens up room for God to do what only he can do. And I believe that tonight, and here's my prayer tonight, because I believe God wants to meet you at your biggest pain point. If I could ask you just kind of one evaluation or question tonight, um, I love asking pastors this. I love asking churches this. I love asking uh, individuals this, is, is what is your biggest pain point right now? Like, what is the one thing the enemy is tormenting you with the most over and over and over again? Because let me tell you, if you will, instead of ignoring it, deal with it and face it. You you know what I learned? I I wish someone would have grabbed me when I was younger and told me to listen to the pain in my life because I believe this pain can be your greatest friend and your greatest teacher. I, I, I wish someone would have sat me down and said, hey, listen, stop ignoring pain, stop burying pain. Because can I tell you what we like to do in America? Uh, anytime we have pain, even our medical professions do this. Many times we just medicate the symptoms of the problem and never deal with the problem. And many times what we do is we cope with it, we bury it, we ignore it, and we do everything except face it face to face and say, why? Because how many know when your body actually, like God created it this way, is that when you experience pain, it's actually an indicator to you something's wrong, something needs to get fixed. 
You know, I, I, Pastor Nate said this, that we started our church uh, almost 12 years ago. Again, I wish as a pastor someone would have told me that six years ago because the first six years in, there were many things in our church that we were experiencing pain as a church, um, but I never knew that the pain was actually my friend that would ta- help coach me and lead me to exactly what I needed help in. You know, there's nobody that probably experienced more pain and suffering in his life than Job. How many know Job went through so much pain? Look at Job 36, verse 15. It says, God rescues the afflicted, and God is absolutely gonna do that, even in this place tonight. God rescues the afflicted by their affliction. Let me say that again. God rescues you from pain by your pain. Now keep reading. He instructs them by their torment. Now, let that, t- let that verse sink in just for a second. Here's what I believe that the Lord is wanting to say tonight. Yes, God can heal you right at the place of torment. What is torment? And the word torment literally means extreme pain. Uh, and many times in the scripture, torment was something that the enemy brought to somebody to literally bring pain in their life. And, and no one experienced that more than Job. No one lost more in life more than Job. And yet this verse is saying here that God rescues us from our pain by our pain. And what I mean by that is this, is that pain can absolutely be the greatest teacher that you ever sit under if you'll listen to it, recognize it, and say this, maybe, just maybe. We say it all the time, there's no pain, there's no gain without what? Without pain. And we know that in working out, but how about more in your life is that maybe just maybe the pain that's in your life can actually point you not only to the healer, but to a place where you can walk in healing, live in healing, experience it every single day of your life. You know, I I know too many people that come to God and want a miracle, and God can heal you, right? But you know what? Many times we come to God to ask him to fix something we broke, and then God fixes it, and guess what we do? We go right back, and we break it again. And then we come back and say, God, can you fix my brokenness? And God will. And then we go right back, and we break it again. Can I tell you, we need to break the cycle of going back to our pain and back to our pain. And we just literally need to take our pain to him and say, God, I want you to give me a miracle. But what would be better? It would be better for God to heal you of your pain, or would it be better to never experience that pain again because the pain is the lesson to teach you what you need to learn? And I remember as a pastor, I, I, we were experiencing pain all the time. Uh, one of our pains was a financial pain. We never had enough money. Uh, one was a volunteer pain. We never had enough volunteers. One was a leadership pain. We never had enough leaders. But, by the way, that kind of really leads me to the thought of pain. What is your not enough in your life? What is your not enough? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough friends. I don't have enough this. Because literally, we sang it today that God wants to be your enough but many times it is, our, it is our pain points of not enough that God wants to show us something. Are y'all getting this tonight? And so I want you to put, I want to give this illustration. Everybody put your hands together just for a second. This will take 30 seconds. Put your hands together just like this. Now I want you to kind of open them up and you can imagine you're holding something like this, but just create the space. See, margin is the space between you and whatever you're creating space for. Anybody thankful that on the road? How many, like some of you have never given praise to God for the lines on the road, but anybody thankful for the lines on the road? And let me just tell you, anybody thankful that the lines on the road are bigger than your car? Can you imagine, can you imagine if the lines in the road on a two-way road were exactly the size of our car? Right, listen, I've got a teenage driver, Lord help, I wish the lines were like way, way bigger. But here's the reason. Margin is this. We create space between us and what could hurt us. 
We create space between us and what God is setting us apart from. And let me just tell you this. If your hands are together, if you were to hit your hands really hard together like this, you know what it's gonna cause? Pain. And let me say this. If your hands are like this, Whatever area that you're holding on to, listen, God can't do a miracle until you create the space for God to come in and do the miracle. And that space is called margin, and that space is called a spiritual discipline. And my prayer is this, if you've got pain in your life, open yourself up to let God say, God, what margin, what discipline do I need to create in my life that will create space between me and the pain so that you can come in? And here's what I know. Not only will God, and here's my question tonight, would you pray, God, reveal, reveal to me, not the symptoms of my pain, reveal the pain. God, reveal to me, not my symptoms, not all these things. What is the pain point? Reveal it to me, Holy Spirit. He will. And then you're gonna ask him, God, what spiritual discipline do I need to put in my life day after day after day that will create that space that I never have to be hurt by that thing again? How many know God wants you to be free and free indeed? And, and so I, I wanna just give you a couple examples. I, I don't have all of them tonight, but there is a spiritual discipline for whatever pain you're going through. I just want to give you a couple tonight, and, and maybe these will hit some pain points, but I'm also just asking you to think, well, if it's not one of these, what is mine? How about this pain point? Here's some of the symptoms of this pain point. It may be stress. Uh, it may be overwhelmed, anxiety, um, but here's really the pain point. The pain point is this, uh, not enough time, not enough time. I, I wonder how many people, you're just so stressed out in life because you don't have enough time to do what God's called you to do. Do you know there's a spiritual discipline that will fix that pain point? And by the way, let me say this about all the spiritual disciplines. All the spiritual disciplines will seem opposite in your mind to the solution to fix your problem. Every spiritual discipline will seem like you're moving further away from the answer instead of moving to it, but it will actually, actually, because how I many know it takes faith uh, to do these spiritual disciplines? This is not what you'll get from the world, uh, but this is actually biblical stuff. So here's the spiritual discipline if you're overworked, all this stuff. It's called the uncommon discipline of rest. The uncommon discipline of rest. You know, God, you know, like, think about this, you know, rest. This is how big. God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. Now, I do know some people who want to rest on the seventh, but they didn't work for six days. So you need to work. But let me just say this, that if you're overstressed and full of anxiety, all this stuff, you need to have the spiritual discipline of Sabbath and rest in your life. Did you know that it is usually, think about this, like in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Did you know right up there in the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not violate the Sabbath. Now think about this for a second. In God's mind, he puts murderers and thieves and people that don't take a day off in the same category. In his mind, the violators of those things are just as big as the violators of Sabbath day. And by the way, let me say this, you violate that enough and you'll find yourself in a position where you're breaking all the other commandments because you didn't create the margin and space in your life for God to heal and restore you. One of the greatest weekly blessings of healing, talking about healing, is a day off, nightly sleep. Sometimes it's seasons of rest. Uh, sometimes it's uh, multiple weeks. But can I tell you that God wants to create that margin in your life? Do you know when Jesus did most of his healings? Read the scripture. When did Jesus do most of his healings? on the Sabbath day. 
Think about this. When did he physically heal most people on the Sabbath day? When did he get in trouble for healing most people on the Sabbath day? Think about this. Say, Jesus, you can't heal people on the Sabbath. What did he say in Mark chapter 2? Look at this. He said, Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of man and people, not people to meet the needs of Sabbath. You see, what the religious people didn't understand is that the Sabbath really wasn't a day. The Sabbath was a person. The reason Jesus could heal on the Sabbath was because Jesus was the Sabbath. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. How many know tonight, if you're physically in a place where you need healing. Can I encourage you, come to Jesus. He can physically heal every need that you have. But then you need to create a margin in your space that every week God can heal you. Every night God can restore you. It is on your Sabbath days that the Lord still does his greatest miracles. Come on, do you believe it today? You got to get it in your life. How about this one? Some of you um, have a pain point, I would say. uh, Maybe you'll say it's a financial pain point, like I don't have enough money. Like, I don't have enough money, I don't, I'm in debt, I have all these things. I, I really feel like that's kind of more of a heart issue uh, than a financial issue. Uh, do you know the same, the same discipline for Sabbath is the same for, uh, uh, for your finances, and it will make no sense to people that say, I don't have enough money. But the truth is, you know what? God has a spiritual discipline. For those that ha- I don't have enough money, you create margin. Here's the uncommon discipline. It's called generosity. And doesn't generosity sound like the opposite thing to do when you don't have enough money? I don't have enough money, so the last thing I should do is give. What I really need is to receive. You know, one of the things I hear from people all the time, this is common, uh, and I believe in, in tithing. I believe in being generous with your money, generous with your time, generous with your gifts, all those things. But one of the common things I hear of why people don't tithe, here, here's what they say, I can't afford to. I can't afford to. Pastor, I would tithe. I just can't afford it. Now, I want you to hear what they're literally prophesying and telling the truth of their own life. Pastor, I, I, can't, I can't give because I don't have enough need. I can't, I can't give because I'm not doing well financially. They are literally declaring the truth over their life that I can't do it on my own. But here's what tithers know. I have never heard a tither say that I can't afford to tithe. I've heard every tither say I can't afford not to because when you open up space, you know what you do? You allow God to come in and do a miracle in your life. How many know God can do more with 90% of your money than you can do with 100%? Back to Sabbath, God can do more in six days than you can do in seven days. Ask Chick-fil-A somebody. God can do more when you create some space. Here, here's the last one, then we're going to get ready, and we're going to pray for some miracles today um, as the team kind of comes up. But let me just say this. I, I think maybe another pain point for some of us uh, is a pain point of, of broken relationships, maybe the, and that's the symptom. Maybe the symptom is uh, just a loneliness. Um, maybe the not enough is I just don't have enough friends. I don't have enough quality relationships. Um, and there's a spiritual discipline for that as well. But let me just say about that, not enough. Can I tell you, no matter what your relationship status is, and many people think our relationship statuses will fix that, that problem. Um, I, I know some of us think, well, man, I'm single, I'm dating. I'm, I like, if I could just fix my relationship status, I wouldn't be lonely. And let me just say, whether you're single or married, single people, if you'll follow this discipline, you can be the most healthy relational person on planet Earth. You don't need a, a spouse to fulfill this, this covenant. And, and how many know this? I, I know single people that aren't lonely, and I know married people that are. I, I, Pastor Renee, I, go, I talk to some people like, man, I, I don't want to go to a church that's too, too big because then I won't know anybody. No, listen, you can be in a house with two people and not know somebody. 
It's all about this spiritual discipline. And, and if you feel like, man, just relationally things are broken and I need a healing, let me tell you the space that you need to create for God. It's an uncommon discipline, but it's just called fellowship. It's called fellowship. And let me say this, fellowship is not friendship. Fellowship is covenant. Fellowship is, is one-on-one intimacy, number one with God and with each other. Let me say it starts with God, and that's what you guys are doing here this week is I believe this, at the core of your heart, God wants to be one-on-one with you. At the core of your heart, I think just there's just a peace inside of us that you just gotta understand there's nothing on planet Earth that can fit this peace that only a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ can fix. And you can be in church and not get it. Let me just say this. You, you gotta, you've got to seek after the Lord, not just a Monday or a Tuesday once a year. You have to, this is a pattern of what you should do every day, which is every Tuesday of the rest of your life you should seek after the Lord. Every Wednesday through prayer, fasting, through the word, be intimate with God, but also with one another. We need each other. We need each other. Look at Hebrews 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Look at this. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's what that verse literally means. As Jesus gets closer to come, we need to get closer to each other. Let me say that one more time. As the day of the Lord gets closer, we need to get closer to him and to one another. But people are in the habit of doing the opposite. How many know Jesus is coming back soon, but the habit is we don't need each other. We're separating our covenant, not just with God, but with one another. And we got to get back to one-on-one. We got to get back to to fellowship, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart with God. Because it is, and let me tell you why people don't do that. I'm just too, they don't, again, they, they don't have the margin and space Usually one of the last things that, like if you're gonna cut anything out of your busy schedule, it's gonna be intimate one-on-one time with somebody else. And can I tell you, it's when you open up and create that space that God can step in and do a miracle. You know, as we get kind of ready to close, you know, I I asked Pastor Nate if I could bring my my dad with me tonight. And um, my dad's like Tom Brady. My dad's like an uncommon kind of guy. And, uh, my dad, when he was, uh, I, I'm a PK, again, he was a pastor. He's been a pastor longer. Most of us have been alive, and, and, uh, but he didn't start that way. He was an 18-year-old alcoholic who gave his life to Jesus. Uh, some of us would get kicked out of our house if we were an alcoholic. His dad kicked him out of his house because he got saved and uh, went into ministry, met my mom, been called to ministry. God just has a unique gift of healing on his life. So when I heard you want to do something about healing, I was like, man, I'll ask my dad just to come pray. Uh, it's kind of unique, too, that many times the very thing that you have a gift for, you're actually attacked with. My My dad's probably gone through more medical procedures than any person in this room combined, most likely. Uh, I think it was like five years ago, dad, five or six years ago, uh, we were actually moving into a new building at the church. It was a crazy year of attacks of the enemy, but uh, one of the things that was going on was my dad, uh, he started losing his memory. Uh, He started, this was six years ago, started losing his uh, bodily functions. There was one time literally uh, that he would always sit on the front row, and one time I got up to preach, and he looks over to my mom and says, is that the pastor? He had totally forgotten who his son was. Uh, he had forgotten who he was. Uh, he was at, I remember at, at one meal in particular, we were sitting there with all the family and all of a sudden he just started shaking at this table and fell out of his chair. We called 911, took him to the hospital. They could, there was no diagnosis. This happened like several times. 
Uh, no one in the great city of Richmond could even figure out what was going on with them. Uh, we finally took him all the way to Charlottesville at UVA, and there was someone at UVA who diagnosed him with something called Lewy body dementia. Uh, and uh, that was pretty much, as I was sitting in the office, a death sentence. I remember uh, the doctor saying that we need to get everything ready, uh, that he wouldn't make it to the end of the year. Um, and as we were getting closer, it just got worse and worse and worse. At the same time, our church is kind of growing. We're moving into a new space, believing God for big things. And uh, we're just being uh, just tested on every side. I, I remember as as a church, we were needing a financial miracle. It was just, we were facing just an uphill battle of finances, and we were, I, I was just like, God, what are you doing? And, and there's so much stuff happening to me personally. We went through one of the darkest seasons personally as my own family that most people don't even, even to this day know about what went on except a small group of people, but it was just a painful, painful year. And I can just say this, I needed the healing of God, but you know what God needed? God needed to take me through a process to take my pain and to teach me some things that would create margin in my life that he would not only provide, and he was gonna answer all those prayers, but it almost took a year for God to show up and say, you know what, it's not just what I wanna do for you, it's what I wanna do in you, through you, and teach you so you can teach other people and so that you can walk in healing, not just have a moment on a Tuesday night where you get healed. And we, I remember praying for my dad multiple, multiple, multiple times, and it got worse and worse and worse. My mom was his full-time caretaker, uh, and we were getting closer to moving in our, our new building. And uh, I remember it was on a, on a Monday, and uh, it was that summer on a Monday. My mom calls me and says that my dad was just uh, feeling better, like he actually remembered something and remembered somebody. And, and I was like, Mom, that's cool. That's good. And, and uh, then the next day he got better. By day three, my dad thinks he's healed. I think he's crazy, but my dad thinks he's healed. Um, and I said, well, Dad, like, I'm not trying to, like, keep your faith down or nothing, but we don't know anything about this disease. Let's, like, maybe you just have good days. And, uh, and so they sent somebody from Charlottesville to come do a, a checkup on him. This lady did a whole checkup on him uh, and then literally said, my dad says, hey, I'm healed. And she goes, well, all I know is I can't go back to UVA and tell them, like, well, they'll think I'll lose my job. They'll think I'm crazy. I need you go, and I went with my dad all the way to UVA, sat in a room with the main guy that said that he would be dead by the end of the year, and he was, had completely lost. He had zero symptoms of this Lewy body dementia, and, and my dad said, and you could just look at the look on his face. I mean, this is a guy who knows everything at this moment, didn't know anything, and the guy said, like, and my dad finally kind of, you don't get quiet in a room with a pastor, so my dad stepped up and said, Hey, listen, we're people of faith, and we just believe God healed us. And that same guy who pronounced a death sentence over my dad said, well, I don't know if I can say all that about faith. All I know is you don't have Louis body dementia anymore. That was six years ago, and my dad is fully alive, fully healthy, fully strong. And how many know that God, God can do the miraculous when you create space for God to show up and do the miraculous? But you got to know who God is. And you got to know who you are. You're not, you're not common. You're not a mistake. You're, you're, you're not a failure. You're not this. You're not. You are an uncommon chosen people. And when you get in alignment with who God says you are, can I tell you, anything is possible if you believe. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.